scripture this morning is from Paul's letter to the Philippians. It is while he is making lemonade uh, in prison in Rome, he writes back, and this is an excerpt from the second chapter beginning in verse 14. So do everything without grumbling or complaining so that you may be pure and blameless. Uh, God's children without fault as you shine like stars in the universe, holding on to the word of life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. I don't know if this will come as good news or bad news to those of you who uh, frequent Spurs games or other uh, athletic events where they have the kiss cam. Don't know if you know, the kiss cam is on the way out now. And I noticed this week now in ballparks, instead of the kiss cam, they have what is called the Simba cam. And if you remember the story of the Lion King, when Simba is born, his father, Mufasa, comes and before all the subjects in the kingdom, lifts his proud, uh, as a proud father, lifts his cub so that all can see the new royalty. So what happens is when you're in an arena or in, the, or in the ballpark and the Simba can comes on, if you've got a small child, you take that child and proudly you display that royal tri- child before all of uh, the crowd that is there at the arena. And I love that because I also think that when I um, reflect on the church, our past 20 years, our next 20 years, just the church in general, it seems to me that our story is a little bit like Simba's story. Simba was born to rule, but he forgot his identity. And because of some lies that he believed that was put forth by his uncle Scar, uh, he thought he had contributed to his father's demise. And so he hid in shame and he retreated from the royal identity and royal purpose for which Simba was created. And I think that happens a lot in the church. And and you've heard this morning as we sing and talk and pray about being sons and daughters of God. But conveniently or uh, maybe uh, in fear or shame, we forget who we really are in Jesus Christ's royalty, sons and daughters. And not only royalty, but people with a royal purpose, born to reign with Christ, born to participate with Christ in the spreading of God's will and God's rule all throughout our community and our planet. One of the ways we've said it around here is we partner with God in bringing heaven to earth. We want to make the earth a place where God feels at home. And when God's in the midst of children, that he's comfortable there because they're not in poverty. When God's in the nursing home, God is comfortable there because people aren't lonely. When God is in the midst of of a city, God is comfortable because racism and oppression are not present. That's part of our job. We are meant to rule. We are sons and daughters of God with a very important mission. Now, it's interesting since Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah, that actually Paul decided not to use the lion and lion-cub metaphor for us. Instead, he used a different metaphor. In the Philippians, he uses the metaphor stars. He said, you are to shine like stars in the universe. But actually, that's a very biblical metaphor. It goes all the way back. To Genesis. Genesis 15, God has made Abraham this promise that he will have many descendants. So he takes Abraham outside, shows him the stars, and says, Your descendants will be like stars. Daniel, the 12th chapter, picks it up. When Daniel talks about the first people raised from the dead, he said, They will shine like stars in the sky. 
And they will be those who lead many people to righteousness. And so it's not surprising in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus wants to tell the people who they really are. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. It's interesting, it's clearly in the indicative mode. Jesus doesn't say, you could be the light of the world, you might be the light of the world. I'll tell you what, you do these five things, you'll be the light of the world. Jesus clearly looks at the people following him as he looks at us and says, this is your royal identity. You are stars, you are meant to shine. So I want to talk with you about our next 20 years. Because if I were to sum up for you in a sentence what we are supposed to do, we are supposed to shine like stars. Stars, I think, in the Bible have two purposes. One is they are to illuminate. When there is darkness, they bring light. When people are confused, cannot find their way, uh, cannot see the next stage, cannot experience hope, then people of light come and they brighten that dark place. And so in, in places of darkness, which are in our community and, and in our world, as we are present, things light up. We've all known people whose very presence in a room changes the room. We've all known people whose presence in our lives changed our lives. Those are people who shine. They illuminate the darkness. Now, it's interesting. Jesus didn't call them stars. Jesus called them disciples. Disciples are those with royal identity in Christ and a royal purpose to shine and illuminate the world. Now, what I want to do is briefly this morning describe for you uh, uh, from a study we've done across our campuses and the family of churches here in the sanctuary, New Heights, uh, uh, Asbury, uh, Riverside, uh, the Common Worship, the Pioneer uh, Group on uh, uh, Saturday night at uh, Asbury. When these communities get together and we talked about and looked about discipleship, this is what we found. From what God has done with us, we've seen at least five things that mark a, a disciple. And I'm going to share that with you this morning. And, and here's the deal. They're going to spell stars. Now, the kids at Cambridge can learn it. You can learn it. So if you're wondering, like, what am I supposed to look like? What am I supposed to look like? Here it is. You are to look like and shine like a star. S. S is for sons and daughters. We always start with our identity. We are the Simbas. We are the heirs. We are people with royal identity and royal purpose. And our story starts with the fact that we are valuable and loved. It does not start with the fact that we are worthless and miserable and we're hoping to be loved by somebody if we can do something right. We start with the fact that we were created in Christ to do things right. Paul said that um, you are created and you are God's workmanship and you're made to do good things. He told the Ephesians and that's who we are. Sons and daughters meant to shine. So we start with the fact that we're already loved and, and that becomes our, our motivation and our foundation for shining in the world. T. T is for text. Now, um, uh, text is the way uh, Jesus would have referred to the Bible. And you might say, well, why didn't you say Bible? Well, two things. Number one, you can't spell stars with a B. The second thing is that when you talk about text, you're using the word Jesus would have used out of his Hebraic heritage. And it simply reminds us that as we approach things in the Amal Heights family of churches, we try to approach them learning from the Jewish background of Jesus. We are not Jews. We are not trying to be Jews. We are trying to live into the faith as Jesus 
lived it. And he would have understood certain basic things. He would have understood the basic principle of Judaism, which is freedom of choice that leads to positive change. He would have understood that clearly. And he would have lived his life out of the belief that people can change. And therefore, uh, circumstances can change. And therefore, communities can change. And that we have, through God and the Holy Spirit, the opportunity to choose to act and do differently. That's fundamental among many fundamental things to Jesus' Hebraic roots. That's in there. So when we use a word like text, it, it just reminds us of things. Not just Sukkot, though that's important, but it remind, reminds us of all sorts of other things as well. The, uh, the importance of, uh, as we'll talk about in a few moments, relationships is a very Hebraic thing as opposed to a Greek or Western thing. So T is for text. A is for action. It simply means that it's not enough to be in our small group, in our Bible study, be in worship, whether it's here or at Riverside or New Heights or Asbury. It's not enough to like take in knowledge. It is not about how much we know, but how much we do. And that is, that is a very um, core understanding Jesus would have had. It wasn't how much Bibles can you, do you know, it's how much Bible do you live. How do we live out in the world? The measure of our faith is not how many times we come in here. Though I'm very happy all of you are here this morning. I'm sure Pastor Michael is too. But that's not the measurement. The measurement is what happens outside these doors when we're in the world. Uh, That our action becomes key. We are made, as Paul said, for good works. And so A is for action. And then R, that will be an easy one for all of us. It's about relationships. That what's uh, vital to us is our relationships with one another and with the world uh, through our faith in Christ. And so just like when you look at a cross and there's a vertical beam for uh, our relationship with God, there's also the horizontal reminding us of our relationships with with each other in the world. And what happens is in in the sort of Western mindset and modern and uh, industrial world that we live in, emphasis seems to follow more on the products and the results than on the relationships that are formed. Um, And the results become actually a byproduct of those results. But that would have been very Hebraic and Jesus would have understood it. It's been said a number of times. I can't even find who said it first, but but I will pass it on to you. There's a saying goes like this. When the church was primarily made up of Jews, it was a family. When the church was primarily Greek, it became a philosophy. When the church became primarily Roman in the 4th century, it became an organization. When the church became primarily European, it became a culture. And when the church became primarily American, it became a business. We've come a long way from relationships as the core and the center. But the main biblical metaphor for us as a church, one is a body and another is a family. And we see the interconnectedness and the relationships of, of uh, all people with, uh, with one another. And so uh, we are as attentive to our relationships with each other as we are to the good works that we are doing. And any good work we do by violating another person's freedom or by harming or uh, stepping on another person, will by definition not be a good work. Because the, the means will, will uh, violate the very end that God has for us to be one with each other and one in the world with Christ. And so R is for relationship. And then the final S is spirit for the Holy Spirit. 
uh, it is evident when you look, not just at the past 20 years, but the um, 80 plus years before that, back to 1910, that this is a church that has recognized the movement of God in the Holy Spirit, and just like the people in the book of Acts, has tried to follow that movement wherever it goes. And when we try to operate without the Holy Spirit, we are like a wonderful automobile with an extremely powerful engine, completely devoid of gasoline or electricity, anything that would make it move. And so we can have this wonderful organization, we can have this wonderful facility, and we can have a grand purpose in mind. But apart from the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit, we got nothing. We count on God's presence in the Spirit to show us how to do, um, excuse me, what to do and how and when to do it. And I love this church because this church's uh, history is one of just watching where God is moving and trying to get in line behind those Holy Spirit as quickly as possible. Uh, and that's part of what makes us a star. It is that we are sons and daughters living in the text, acting out the word of God in the world and in relationship and under the guidance and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And that's what causes us to illuminate the darkness and to shine. But that's just half the story. Fortunately for you, two-thirds of the sermon, but just half the story. Because there's something else that stars do in the Bible. They don't just illumine the darkness, illuminate the darkness, they eliminate the darkness. It is a part of our task here on earth to push back the darkness. Wherever there's illness, wherever there's loneliness, wherever people don't have enough to eat, where people do not have a place to sleep, wherever people do not know they are loved in Christ, we don't just become better people and think that'll solve it. We become a part of the movement and the solution of pushing back the darkness. We have a mission. Now, the unfortunate thing is for United Methodists, we think the commercial series about a decade ago defined our mission. And I bet if I give you the tagline at the end of the commercial, you'll know it. Let me try it. The people of the United Methodist Church open, open, open Open hearts, open doors, open minds. People thought that was our mission statement. They thought our job was just to sit there, open the door, see who comes, and whoever comes in, we tolerate them. Awesome. Awesome. And the world stays pitch dark. That's not our mission statement. Our mission statement is to push back and roll back the darkness. We are not a fortress in which to gather people. We are a force that moves out into the world with the love and the message of Christ. That's who we are, is to push back the darkness around us. And so, uh, though we have wonderful worshiping communities, and some of which are represented here this morning, we have many more wonderful people moving out in their community into the world. Is nearby... As this neighborhood and as far away as Burundi and Costa Rica and India and Piedras Negras, we do that because we're not here to gather. We are here to gather so that we might scatter back as lights pushing back the darkness in the world. That's who we are. We are here to shine like stars. It is our identity, it is our destiny to illuminate the darkness, and then with God to partner to eliminate that darkness. 
I often remember uh, the Marianne Williamson poem that uh, uh, Nelson Mandela quoted at his inauguration. Do you remember that? He said, our greatest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our fear is that we are powerful uh, beyond measure. And remember, she goes on to say, you know, who are we, we think, uh, to be beautiful or talented or fabulous? And then she says, well, rather, who are you not to be beautiful or talented or fabulous? That you're playing small does not serve the world. You are children of God, she says. You are meant to shine like stars. And the next 20 years, we will shine. David asked me this week to come and give a response to his sermon. And the first way I thought of this was that he's the president and I am the Republican opposition giving the rebuttal. Um, but then as I sat here and listened to him, the, the United 30 service, I realized it's more as if he just was a speaker at a great nonprofit and now I'm the guy to get up and put the screws on you to give money. So here we go. In Genesis 1... It begins with God creating the heavens and the earth. And Eugene Peterson's The Message, he describes it as a soup of nothingness, an inky blackness, until God said, let there be light. From the very beginning, it was God's plan and God's job and operation to insert light into the darkness. And as David just reminded us, throughout the book of Genesis, into Daniel, throughout the New Testament, especially when Jesus says, it is your job now. You are the light of the world. The message, the, the method, the idea, the program of God hasn't changed. It's about bringing light into the darkness. It's about remembering who we are as sons and daughters. It's about remembering that it is our job, our responsibility, our honor to carry the light of the world into the world. It is our story that led us from Travis Park United Methodist Church to plant a church in the suburbs of Alamo Heights. It is our story that that church on Broadway grew and grew and, grew and, and collected families and children so much so that we needed to grow, but the city wouldn't let us. Praise God for bureaucracy, right? Because God had a bigger idea and a bigger plan. And it is our story that 20 years ago, we brought the light to this campus. But as we have been talking about over the last few weeks, this is not where the story ends. These are Ebenezer's. These are Joshua Stone's. These are beautiful stained glass windows in the upper gallery of our church. They remind us who we are, but they also tell us who we are and who we are going to be, sons and daughters. N.T. Wright speaks about the, when God calls us to reign and rest with him eventually, that a lot of times we focus on the rest part because many of us are weary and long for that rest. But too often we forget that we are also to reign. 
that we are to reign with God here and now, joining him in bringing the kingdom of heaven. If all we have talked about over these last four weeks is just something to put a smile on our face and to eat a cupcake on for, then we've missed something tremendous. God has called us to be a family of churches. God has called us to be distinct communities with the same fathers and mothers, with the same story, with the same past, the same history, with the same future, but carried out in vastly different ways. Through the communities of Pioneer and Common Worship, Asbury, Riverside, New Heights, of our mothers and fathers. We are called to be the light of the world. Let us do so. Let us pray. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who created us, sons and daughters, who gave us a mission to bring the light of the world into the darkness. We thank you for our fathers and mothers who have gone before, who have opened up places of light in this community and communities throughout the world. We thank you for the story that they have placed on our lives. We thank you for the opportunity to carry that story forward, to join you in the renewing of all things. We do so with everything that we are, all that you are creating us into being. We thank you and praise you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.